Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. Michael and I will share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, for more information on Michael or myself or forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, your co-hosts, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. Happy Tuesday. Today is July 5th, 2016. I'm Michelle Tashay, filling in for Jeannie, and I'm here today with Dr. Michael Rice. We warmly welcome you to the show and thank you for choosing to be with us. Our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1 and that puts you in the queue to talk with our host. We encourage you to call in with your comments or questions, allowing you to actively strengthen and deepen your practice. Now, let's welcome Michael in support of developing our inner process of Aramaic forgiveness. Michael, you might have your mute on. Say again? Hello, how are you today? I am rocking. How about you? I'm good. Oh, good, good. Well, we just got back from the farm, so I'm no longer on the river as I was yesterday. We just walked in the house in uh, Bristol, Tennessee, be here for a couple days before we head on back to Florida to uh, begin our journey back to Hartley. Well, um, so all oh, is well. Good, good. Yeah, had a wonderful weekend family reunion down in uh, or up in uh, Virginia, and now we're a little further south into Bristol. Fly out of here on Thursday, so we'll say welcome to everybody. We're honored, delighted, and uh, yesterday our our topic was uh, independence, with it being Independence Day, and my thought today was to talk a little bit about liberty. And how that ties in. It's interesting that uh, we live in a culture that that has a byword of freedom, 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 freedom. We want to be free from everything that bothers us. And in regard to that topic, I have some really bad news. There's no such thing as freedom. How'd that line go? Freedom's just another word for nothing less to do, left to lose. Nothing ain't worth nothing, but it's free. No freedom. Liberty? Absolutely. And when we declare independence, as we talked about yesterday with Independence Day, that we become independent from the generational dynamics of our family systems and the influences of our culture, then we come to a point where we awaken on a level different than the normally functioning mind. And at that point begins the development of some growing pains that involve 
developing the spiritual faculties that lead to true liberty. The difference, of course, between liberty and freedom is, you know, there are people who want to do behaviors that produce really disastrous results, but they want somebody else to take care of it for them. They want somebody else to buy their drugs because they created diseases. They want somebody else to take care of their poverty because they did silly things with money and business that that destroyed them. They want somebody else to fix their relationships because they thought, well, I'm free to puke on my partner whenever I want. And gee, what's wrong with them? Why aren't they just accepting of me being in my old natural rageful self? (laughs) And, Of course, there are consequences, there are results that come with that. And so it's not about declaring freedom. You'll notice the Founding Fathers gave us not a freedom bell, but a liberty bell. When we develop the faculty of choice, one of the spiritual faculties, one of the five smooth stones of David. If you go back to that uh, story about David and Goliath, there's much more to it than a little shepherd boy and, uh, you know, a nine-foot-tall warrior with all his swords and shields and spears and defenses and attacks and all of that. It's a whole different story that underlies. That's the surface story. But beneath the surface story, there's a much more important point, and that is that there are a series of spiritual faculties. And if you listen to that story about David and Goliath – you'll notice that nobody who was trained in war would go stand on the battlefield with David. All the soldiers, all the guys that were trained and tough and, you know, we can beat them, said, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not going out there. He'll kill me. And David had five smooth stones. Why, Why do you suppose David had five smooth stones? I mean, I'm fortunate. I'm from Canada, so I never got exposed to that insanity of war and being forced to go kill and risk being killed. I, I didn't didn't get, you know, into that game. We had a whole different mindset. Sadly, the U.S. military is affecting the Canadian military mindset, and that, unfortunately, is changing. Canada has actually always been a peacekeeping force, actually gone in with the idea not of making war, but actually keeping peace. Actually, you know, the thing you'll see on my Facebook page I suggest very often is get rid of police and let's create actual peace officers. That was the role that the Canadian military played, was more of settling disputes and creating peace. Well, if you look at this story about David and Goliath, you'll see that David had smooth stones. Now, as I said, I haven't been trained in that, but I would think that I would want the most jagged, sharpest rocks I could possibly find if I were going to face an enemy and try to take him down with those rocks. Now, I've had military men say, no, the smooth ones will fly truer. Well, you know, when I'm in arm shot of somebody, I don't think a smooth stone is going to fly any differently than a jagged one, and one's certainly going to inflict more damage if that's what I'm interested in doing. But David has smooth stones because it is an allegory for a set of practiced spiritual faculties that are the key to liberty. So if you've declared your independence from the generational patterns and energetic patterns of the past, then you have to go to the next level of developing or utilizing these five faculties that come with being. And and we use the word being if you were with us yesterday or you're new to the show, 
we invite people to remember the moment at which they held a newborn baby and then describe the essence of the newborn. And wherever we've asked this question of tens of tens of thousands of people all over the globe, the answer we get back is 100% of the time, always some variation on the theme of love when they describe the newborn. I like to ask at that point now, let's get clear here, is the child loving you? And people think a minute, they say, no, the child is love. Then why are you trying to get somebody to love you? Why are you pretending you can love somebody else? Because we've been locked out of that by the generational patterns, out of the truth of being that is love, and we've been taught a false truth that we're supposed to love each other. When the real truth, if you go back to the Aramaic, where the Greeks tell us that Yeshua said, love your neighbor, never said any such thing. He said, have rock, but there's a gateway in the frontal lobes of the brain that keeps love present in your body. Be love in the presence of your neighbor is more the directive from the Aramaic. And once we start to function as love, there's a whole different set of tools that become available to us. You know, if I go out into the, uh, the um, let's say, the, the shop where they repair lawnmower motors, I have a certain set of tools. If I go into the shop where they repair Kenworth diesels, I'm going to have a different set of tools. I have a set of tools when I function out of my body's mind. When I start to function out of the mind of being, there's a whole different set of tools. And the non-being, what we call the non-being mind, the mind that's functioning out of hostility or fear, is going to make a copy of the real thing and pretend that it has what's true. So the number one faculty that one's going to have to develop if they're going to declare their independence and then have liberty is they're going to have to develop the faculty of choice. They're going to have to be able to actually choose rather than be driven by their unconscious dynamics. One who is driven by their unconscious dynamics and the patterns of the generations (coughs) is going to be stuck in a certain set of behaviors that look just like their generational patterns. If you touch into our codependence to interdependence workshop, in that workshop we introduce the concept of what we call a power person. And a power person is someone who at any time in your life had more power over your life than you did, and you perceived that situation as survival, and the power person wasn't functioning as a human being, was not functioning as love. When we get locked into that, power person dynamic and it's usually apparent though not always cults work to get people to change power persons you know military is the largest cult on the planet they've been practicing for thousands of years how to get people to switch power persons to their military leaders so that without any question they simply obey even the most insane bizarre upside down inside out ridiculous orders that they get they follow because they have no faculty of choice they have been trained through resonance which is a cheap copy of choice or reason 
Reason is the ability to select between frequencies in the mind. Resonance is simply the automatic response of what's stored in the mind. If I say don't think about your color of your car, there are going to be certain brain cells that will fire you or resonate. And if that takes over what you call your thinking process, then you'll be run by whatever's resonating in you. Where reason says, excuse me, I choose not to be run by that. I choose to wake up. I choose to actually select a different frequency. Excuse me, I am the presence of love. I think I'll do a loving response here, choice, rather than this hostile response that is structured into my body's mind from the generations. So now, through choice and reason, I will select the behavior of beginning to forgive the hostility and fear stored in my carbon-based memory, in my body's mind, and I'm going to select or choose to do something loving here. Now you've got actual liberty. You've declared independence, then you claim liberty by acting on the faculties of the new place that you live from. So that's the first of the five smooth stones is reason or choice. The mind has resonance and its automatic decision system. It looks like it's making a choice, but it's a total fraud. It's just whatever's stored in the system. And when I say carbon-based memory, if you talk to a modern-day uh, physicist and they analyzed your so-called body, they would tell you that the base element in your body structure is carbon. And if you look at a single carbon atom, you will see that that carbon atom is, is a reflection or is structured out of six electrons, six protons, six neutrons. That's why the number of the beast was 666. Carbon-based memory holds the decisions of past generations, and whenever something resonates, that decision comes forward. The, the carbon-based memory system is a decision-making machine and will force you to do the behavior of the past, unless... You engage in forgiveness, and as you engage in forgiveness, you weaken the frequency stored in carbon-based memory that force you into certain decisions, and when you've practiced choice enough, you can actually make the choice to function as love and to do something loving. You know, we've all heard the thought, gee, I'm supposed to be loving with this spouse of mine, and you know, we, we go proclaiming, I will be loving, I will cherish, I will honor you forever until the next time they give us the look. And then when they give us the look, what happens? For too many people, I mean, what have we got, 60% divorce rate? For too many people, it's don't touch me, don't come near me, I never want to see you again. It's like, wait a minute, this is a person a moment ago you were proclaiming to cherish. What happened? Something resonated and a decision was kicked up through resonance out of carbon-based memory and whatever you saw your power person do when they were under a similar stress is what will control you. There are only actually three behaviors until one consciously, purposely, consistently, persistently goes in and cleans up, forgives the content of that 666 system, that carbon-based memory system. There are only three behaviors possible for a person. 
The first behavior, and, and it all relates to the level of stress. The first behavior, when there's no stress, is a person's automatic decision system will force them to do behaviors that they did to get along with their power person. When stress starts to build, they'll move out of doing what they did to get along with their power person, and they'll do whatever they did to resist and survive with their power person. And when they become ultra-stressed, the automatic decision system will kick in, and it will look like they make a choice to do what their power person did to them that they hated the most, but there's no choice at all. It's just a decision. It's just resonance. It's just kicking up. Here's the behavior you do now. There are rules you are required to follow, and until you forgive or weaken those energetic patterns or frequencies in the mind from the generations, then they're the things you're going to decide to do and you'll think they're choices, not choices at all. If a human being is making a choice, it does not matter what the situation is. They will do something loving because that's all love can do. They won't do any of that other stuff. Choice will always lead to doing something loving, no matter what somebody did. Carbon-based memory system will do whatever the generations have done. You know, you look at that story about the Jews wandering in the desert for 40 years, and it sounds like it's a story about a hot, sandy place, but there's another level of meaning to that story. I mean, think about it for a minute. Here's this bright group of people. They're lost in a 30-square-mile area for 40 years. I mean, who can get lost in a 30-square-mile area for 40 years? It's not even reasonable to think that could possibly happen. What's the meaning there? Well, it means that when we're in the desert, we're functioning out of carbon-based memory, and the decisions fed to us through resonance in the mind simply run our lives. Again, when there's no stress, we'll do what we did to get along with our power person. Stress starts to build, we'll do what we did to resist and survive. Become ultra-stressed, we'll do what our power person did to us that we hated the most. And that's all resonant, and there's no liberty in that. It's just play out the frequencies and produce the results. When you start to wake up, does everything all of a sudden become fun and roses and easy and delightful and everything's wonderful? No. There's work to be done. You know, when a child grows, it has growing pains. The muscles stretch. The bones grow. Ouch, ouch. There's some growing pain there. As you start to use and strengthen your spiritual faculties, in this case choice then or reason, then when your mind demands that you do what your power person did, even though you say, I cherish this person, instead of raging at them, you'll stop your mind mid-sentence. And you'll say, listen, you shut up. I'm independent from you. I have liberty here. And I choose to function with this cherished person I call my spouse lovingly, gently, respectfully. I'm going to use words of sweetness and caring here. Thank you very much. I appreciate your advice, carbon-based memory. Generations, I watched how you, Dad, treated Mom or you, Mom, treated Dad. I heard how Grandpa treated Grandma and how Grandma treated Grandpa. I heard how great-great-Grandpa, I heard what happened five generations ago. And thank you, I'm not going to follow that pattern. I'm not going to follow those decisions that fire in response to circumstances on automatic pilot and run my life 
I'm not going to do what my power person did. In fact, whenever that comes up, I'm going to dig out a thing called a wake-up sheet, and I'm going to wake up from that. I'm going to declare my independence from that, and I'm going to forgive that frequency from my mind, and then I'm going to choose to do something that is in harmony with my true being. Now, there's another spiritual faculty, another smooth stone that goes hand in hand with that. It's called will. Now, if one has not developed will, they may be stuck in the cheap copy called willpower. Man, I'm going to force this no matter what. They're going to obey my will. Well, that's not will. That's willpower. That's the cheap copy of will. Will is a gentle spiritual faculty with which I manage my mind by managing my goals. And as I develop that, then when I say I'm going to function lovingly, my will is the faculty that empowers me to function lovingly. And it reminds me to forgive if there's a strong urge or a strong inclination that comes from the generations to do something other than will. So now we've got two of David's five smooth stones. As one goes in and uses the forgiveness tool, instead of the perceptual mind simply reflecting and constructing its world out of the contents of carbon-based memory and replaying the same scenarios over and over and over again, what happens is the being awakens and now instead of carbon-based memory determining the construct of the mind, the source of the information that determines the construct of the mind or what's called perception is being. So now we get true and accurate perception instead of coming from the generational patterns once again. So third spiritual faculty that comes in is I get to function with true perception. My mind tells me what a spiritual being would do here and shows me things things from a perspective of love. I see this person that creates this heinous act and Carver's Mace memory with its hostility and fear says, commit a heinous act against them. That's how you teach people not to commit heinous acts. I mean, you know, take a look. What does everybody want to do with the child abuser? Abuse them. Excuse me. The child abuser's been abused enough. Thank you very much. Do you know why they abuse children? Because they had a power person that abused them. That's all. And so what does true perception say when there's a child abuser? Ah, we need to take a breath here. We need to look at our own propensity toward violence and to abuse, and we need to forgive that inclination. And now what I'm going to do is I'm going to use my will to say, I'm going to want, look at this from the perspective of a spiritual being called love. What has happened to this person that they would dare to strike out at this innocent child? Oh, I understand now. True perception says they were struck out, or struck, at, pardon me, they were struck as children, and so they're now just playing out what they've learned. Oh, I understand. So now, well, Gee, does that mean we don't hold the child abuser accountable? No, 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 that's not what it means at all. The child abuser very possibly deserves to be behind bars. But you don't put them behind bars to punish them. You put them behind bars to teach them how to heal. Actually, you know, if you look, it's called in most states the Department of Corrections. 
It's not about corrections anymore. It's about show me the money. There was a recently a, a, a judge who was caught literally selling kids that came into his court to the profit for profit prisons. I think he got 16 years. Should have gotten life as a deterrent to any other judge, not as punishment, but as a deterrent to any other judge that would dare to do such a thing with a child. So the being to the child abuser says, you know, you're not safe. We can't let you stay with your family. You know, we, we've, we heard that you have hit and abused other people too. So what we're going to do is we're going to put you in a place where the community is safe and you're safe, and we're going to show you how to heal yourself. We're going to walk you through why you, would, why you, love, would do such bizarre behaviors. It isn't what love does. That's what carbon-based memory does when it's filled with pain. And so true perception gives a whole different view of oneself and of the world instead of just running from carbon-based memory and constructing its world out of that. The next faculty that comes into play that one begins to strengthen if they're actually going to declare their liberty is that they're going to function with intuition. In other words, they're you know, if you listen to the physicists, they tell us today that every molecule in the universe is in continuous communication with every other molecule in the universe. What that means is that we have access to information without reference to what's going on in carbon-based memory. So when our intuitive faculty, oftentimes called the gut feeling, kicks in. Now, the cheap copy that the non-being mind has of intuition is psychic Oh, I'm psychic. Well, be careful because the psychic comes through their own carbon-based memory and will tend to taint every piece of information they get with what's in their carbon-based memory. And so it's going to tend to just reinforce the patterns of their generations. But when we're functioning out of intuition, we know how to live in a quiet mind. You can get the mind to be still. Be still and know and start to receive information from sources other than the past and carbon-based memory. So intuition becomes another one of the five faculties with which David takes down Goliath, which is nothing but the monster, hostility, and fear-based mind, how you dissolve and rid yourself of that. You're listening to Yeshua, and he says, in order for you to live, you've got to die. He's not talking about you've got to go slit your own throat. He's saying the non-being self you thought you were that controls you, you have to declare independence from and then ultimately liberty from that by dissolving it. It dies. You get rid of it. And you function. You incarnate as a true human being. And you bring the spiritual faculties along with you. And then the final, the fifth of the five smooth stones of David is imagination. If you listen to Einstein, he says 90% of his work was imagination. You know, Einstein lived in a war-torn country when he did his most important science, you know, laboratory. You know where Einstein carried out his experiments and how he came up with the theory of relativity? He did it in his imagination. He didn't have a lab to do it in. It actually took, if I remember correctly, with some Australians and Americans who came together. And what Einstein did in his imagination inside of himself and revolutionized the whole scientific world 
the scientists outside of Germany who were able to actually carry out the experiments to prove the accuracy of what he was saying. So another very important faculty. Now, you listen to people today, it's like, no, intellect, come to school, let me teach you. Come out of school, thousands of dollars in debt, so the first 20 years of your work life, you will be so indebted that you'll have to keep your nose to the grindstone, you'll never take time to take care of yourself. And then once you've done that for 20 years, you're going to be so hooked on your stuff and your lifestyle that we'll have you for life. No, no. Tap a child into their imagination. You take a look at some of the research on schooling and children up to the age of four or five when they're put in school have fabulous imaginations. And then by the time they're seven, it's pretty much gone. Shut down the five smooth stones. Shut down the higher faculties, and you will own that child until it's dead, until it goes into adulthood, grows old, old and dies. Kings have known that for centuries. Waking up means you declare independence from that whole system of things and you choose liberty by developing the smooth stones, the five faculties of your being, and you then tame, take charge of your carbon-based memory system. You dissolve the self that wasn't and you function as a truly, truly awake, aware, and that's why we have... Thank you, Susan, for naming it after all these years. That's why we have wake-up sheets. They're to wake up from carbon-based memory. Wake up to the higher faculties. Declare liberty. And let that liberty ring throughout the land where every individual has the right to make their choices and function out of those higher faculties. So we're here to provide a whole set of tools and an understanding from the first century Aramaic teachings of the man named Yeshua. He's a man who was popularly known as Jesus. His name was not Jesus in any way, shape, or form. If you go back and look at the history of that word, it's Hail Zeus. They were looking for how to take this Jewish rabbi, and I guess if he's a rabbi, he's Jewish, right? That's kind of an oxymoron. So they're looking for a way to take this rabbi and make him acceptable in the Greco-Roman world. Well, the Greco-Roman world knew all about this guy named Zeus, so let's make him hey, Zeus, hail Zeus, Jesus. It's not his name. His name's Yeshua. He knew exactly how to teach people to live by causing the non-being self to die, to live from the higher faculties, and to truly function with liberty as human beings. Kings hate it. Politicians hate it when people do that. Business leaders, corporations that are making billions off of you because you're following their game will hate you for this. That's okay. Support them healing their hatred and carry on living your life with liberty and create a true human existence. And a true human existence will always reflect as love in the world. So that's what we're here to support. That's what we're here to learn ourselves and to share with others in terms of gaining from the experience that each of us has had and uh, to share it with you and empower you with a set of tools for achieving that same result. So, Michelle, any thoughts in that regard? Um, no, it was, a, it was a good review, Michael. Um, 
uh, Tim's here today, and we also had a, a caller with a hand up right from the beginning. So what would you like to do? Well, let's say hello to our, our hands-up caller, because I know Tim will tell us to do that, and we'll catch Tim when we complete with our caller. Let's say hello. Okay, great. So this is area code 813. Um, you're on the air. Who do we have, and where are you calling from? Um, yes, my name is Nicole. I'm calling from Indiana. Hey, Nicole. Welcome. Glad to hear your voice. How can we support you? Um, just, I'm going, I'm actually, I uh, separated from my husband in February, and right. I recently, he was in Florida. He's going through a lot right now in his life, and I moved to Indiana. Um, my husband got caught up with the wrong crowd, the wrong people, got caught up with drugs and alcohol, and met somebody else, and kind of went down, his life just going down this um, spiral. And right, right now I hear he's you. going. Yeah, um, right now he's incarcerated. I'm trying my best. I mean, we're doing. I mean, trying my best to reach out to him, but I feel as if like he don't want nothing to do with me. Um, when we broke up, he's like, I don't love you anymore. I don't want to be with you. And then he started seeing this other girl, like he was seeing the other girl when we were married, but. He came out and, you know, uh, people started, rumors in the town started telling me your husband's with another woman. So, right. anyway, I kind of like when I, December, I ran into the girl just out and about and, and you know, trying to do shopping and stuff that, like that for Christmas. And I asked her, you know, if she, I played off like I didn't know my husband or whatever because I've seen him with another woman. I was like, do you know so-and-so? She's like, yeah, and this, that, and third. And kind of hung out with her, kind of been friends with her or whatever. And uh, so, anyway, we oh, did the whole I got, Can I Can I interrupt you for a second? Yeah. Where are we heading? How can we support you? What's going on for you? Well, for me, I mean, I'm still yeah. in the state. I'm still in the state in my heart that I'm still in love with my husband. I have a hard time healing from all this and... Right. Um, letting go. Um, okay. How yeah. long have you been listening to the show? A whole this time. Is your first engagement? Pardon me? Yes. Yes. I've been listening the whole time. But yeah, this is my first time calling you guys. Okay, cool. Well, let me just share a couple of, of basic thoughts around the work. And there are over 1,500 hours of archives. You can go back and listen and really learn you know the root of these tools and of course continue with our conversations but one of the things we we talk about is that one of the things the world in order to keep you in the patterns of the generations is Mm -hmm. that they'll teach you to live in denial and Mm -hmm. what happens when we live in denial is that whatever we need to heal in ourselves remains hidden through our denial. And Mm -hmm. our definition in this work of denial is a little different than the world's definition. Denial is when I'm in some sort of pain or turmoil or trauma, I Mm -hmm. think or speak as though somebody else is the cause of that. And I stay focused outside of myself instead of having a conversation that takes me inside of myself. So, and what happens when I do that by speaking about something outside of me, when there's turmoil going on inside of me, 
is I dissociate from the cause of my own turmoil. And dissociate means I now can no longer change the part of me that's in turmoil, the part of me that's in pain, the part of me that I need to heal, and the part of me that creates this result that I don't like. So mm-hmm. I noticed that your conversation so far has been about your husband and his girlfriend, and, and that's where the whole conversation's going. But I presume mm-hmm. that you're calling in because you want some support for your healing right. process. Right. So what I'm going to invite you to do is to bring the conversation back to yourself. What's going on for you, and how can we support you healing? Because if, if you're ever going to recoup this relationship with your husband, mm-hmm. you're not going to do it out of the mind that cooperated with him in creating the breakup of your relationship. You're not going to do it out of that mind. The only way that you're going to be able to recoup that relationship and turn it to the joyful relationship that it could possibly be is Mm -hmm. by owning, going inside of yourself and dealing with and forgiving the patterns in you that cooperated in creating that situation with your husband. So what's the part of me, I mean, he's responsible for his behavior. Obviously, it sounds like his behavior has been way off base. You know, here he is in jail. He's doing drugs and alcohol and fooling around. That's all his responsibility. But Mm -hmm. you and he had a relationship. And so when I start, you know, I'm, I'm inviting you to start to talk about you and your dynamics. What is it you need to heal so that you can have a different type of conversation, a different type of energetic interaction with him and shift that relationship around? So what, how can we support you? What's, what's going on for you in all of this? Um, I just, like I said, I feel a lot of anger and sadness and betrayal, and my heart's really broken about the whole situation. Mm. I hear you. I hear you. And so I'm going to invite you to just take a couple of deep breaths with me and we'll breathe with you. Everybody in the community that's listening to the show is here to support you and hold a space of love for your healing. And that's mm-hmm. pretty painful stuff. I hear you. So just let yourself take a couple of breaths. So you named several different internal realities that are going on that certainly Mm -hmm. each of them we could spend hours. I'm sure you've gotten together probably in the coffee clutch with girlfriends and you could talk for hours about what he did and what's wrong with him and blah, and and be in your pain, but that's not going to help you to heal your pain or your mind. So the invitation is to come back inside yourself and let's just pick the anger. So, so, I have anger, and my mind tells me my anger is about what my husband has done. He's run around on me. He's gotten involved in the wrong crowd. He's doing drugs and alcohol. I have a lot of goals for him, and when he Mm -hmm. isn't fulfilling those goals, i.e. being true to me, taking care of his own body and mind, keeping with the right types of friends, then I have anger inside of me, and my mind tells me my, my anger is about that, But actually, my anger, the way we deal with anger in this work is to recognize that anger is actually a drug. It's actually Mm -hmm. an internally produced drug, 
with which I anesthetize myself against my pain. Mm-hmm. And so the starting point for your work to clean up your mind, to be able to create your life differently with him, or if it's not with him, to create your life differently with someone else rather than having to do a why is this happening to me again in another relationship is to go inside and deal with what's going on in you. So the forgiveness tool is the core tool that we offer. And in this, in this work, the word forgive doesn't mean that you're supposed to let him off the hook for all the things he's done, you know, pat him on the back and take him back and say, oh, everything's okay, I forgive you. That's got nothing to do with forgiveness. That's a pardoning conversation, and if you choose to pardon him for what's gone down, that would be your choice, but that is no part of forgiveness and is not necessary for forgiveness to occur. The forgiveness process is when you go inside yourself and go, I have a lot of anger. I'm going to apply forgiveness so that I can free myself of my anger when you start to free yourself of your anger, it'll be like the alcoholic letting go of his drink. All of a sudden, he's going to start to feel things that he didn't know were even there. Mm-hmm. And when you start to feel those things, you're going to want to breathe and you're going to want to continue to work with the process of forgiveness. So mm-hmm. what I'm going to invite you to do is when we complete our conversation or when we complete the show is to go to our website is www.whyagain.org, whyagain.org. And in the upper left-hand corner, the first words on the page say, start here. Just click that start here, and that will open a series of links. And Uh the first link will allow you to download Chapter 24 from my book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And in that... Uh Uh, Chapter 24, I'm having a conversation with this character named Richard, who's this recalcitrant kind of guy who's going through his third divorce. And, of course, his conversation's all about the women in his life, and it's all their fault. Well, Mm -hmm. as we start to walk him through the forgiveness process, he starts to discover that some of the dynamics that played out in relationship to his marriages actually were childhood dynamics that came from his jealousy and interaction with his baby sister so forgiveness we walk him through the forgiveness process to start to see the underlying dynamic that has him doing the behaviors that he does so if you read chapter 24 it's about the internal process of forgiveness and how i remove what's painful in me and so it's about uncovering those things and weakening the energies of fear sadness grief rage pain drama trauma and removing literally those energetic patterns from my own cellular structure. Yeah. And so the the first link is chapter 24. Then the second link, if you click that, the first link that opens under that second section is the actual forgiveness worksheet that's called a wake-up sheet. And it's a seven-step process for how you get free of the internal source of your pain. Mm-hmm. And then if you go, so once you printed that off, then you go to the third link, and that will walk you through several different radio shows where 
we've actually taken somebody through the whole seven-step process, step by step by step. So there are instructions for how to actually begin to remove those painful experiences that build up over a lifetime. And when people don't have forgiveness, just tend to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And so mm-hmm. I invite you to go ahead and, and click into those three links, start to use them, and as you do the worksheet process, and what the worksheet is designed to do, because some of the steps just seem totally counterintuitive, like why would I do this? Here's why you mm-hmm. would do this. Because when you engage in forgiveness, what will happen is you'll start to collapse the pictures in your mind that what's going on inside of you is about something or somebody outside of you. You'll collapse those pictures and you'll be able to go into deeper parts of your own mind. You know, psychology pretty much tells us today that 90 to 95%, maybe as much as 97% of our mental processes are unconscious. And so Mm -hmm. what this does is it helps you to make those unconscious processes conscious. In the ancient Aramaic language, the word that represented the unconscious was the word heart. You might remember they said, you must forgive from your heart the wrongs of your brother. That wasn't Mm -hmm. a leading heart statement as the Greeks would translate it. They're saying, if I create a picture world in my mind, if I construct a picture world where my spouse is the reason I'm in pain, then I've taken something painful in me and I've made them responsible for it. When I actually start to do first century Aramaic forgiveness, I'll collapse that whole scenario and I'll drop into the unconscious part of myself. And doing that with love present empowers you to free yourself from that part of your mind that you've perhaps probably you and your generations all of their lives have kept behaving in a way that keeps that hidden from you. Right. And once you start to touch into those parts, you know, it's those parts of us that other people tend to bounce off of, especially when we get close to them in relationship. You know, mm-hmm. we hear about, you know, it's pretty much standard process today. People love, we're in love, we just, oh, we're going to have this wonderful time together. But neither person dealing with their own unconscious dynamics doesn't realize that they're sending signals and doing behaviors based on those unconscious dynamics that support their partner doing whatever it is their partner does and vice versa. Again, it doesn't mean you're to blame for what he's done. He's Mm -hmm. fully responsible for what he's done, but you're Mm -hmm. not independent of it. And when you clean that part of your mind up, that's where my offering is. That's where you'll have the best chance of being able to, if it's appropriate, recreate a truly wonderful relationship with him. But you're going to have to start doing your work, and then, of course, hopefully, he sees that change in you, and he says, gee, maybe I should do some of my work, too. And as the two of you begin to do that, you recreate everything in your world together. Right. Does that make sense as a starting point? Yes, it does. Cool. Well, then I'll invite you to go to whyagain.org and start to click those links and you know, it sounds like you have a really uh, big piece of work to do, and it sounds like you're motivated because you realize that you still have a strong relationship and connection with your husband, yes. and I hold the space for you to 
start to work through those dynamics. And if it's the right thing for you and for him to recreate that relationship, or if it's the right thing for you to free yourself of the emotional bindings that keep you in that dynamic so that you can truly create a wondrous wholesome relationship that really supports you and that you can be really fully trusting of and engaged in. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Thank you. Cool. Any other thoughts or questions for us? Mm, well, I guess if you couldn't touch base on everything, but, you know, you know, what I should do to start healing past us or whatever to, you know, because like I, like I, when I first started talking to you guys, I had a lot of pain in my heart, but now I don't, not much anymore. Awesome. Well, here's one of the benefits of the show. And please, as you start to do those worksheets, anytime you've got a question or you need support, call into the show. That's what we're here for. You literally right now have people all over the globe who've been doing this work, many of them for many, many years, who are literally energetically holding an active space of love for you. And, you know, Mm -hmm. as, as I said earlier, the physicists even tell us that every molecule in the universe is in continuous communication with every other molecule in the universe. So I know that Here I am in Bristol, Tennessee, holding you in that space. I know that Mm -hmm. Michelle is up there in uh, Michigan holding you in that space. I know that Dr. Tim is in Chicago doing it. And who knows, all over the globe, how many people are literally beaming or spraying love in your direction to support you. And, you know, there's nothing like a little help from our friends. Right. Yeah, because my husband's in Tampa, Florida right now. He's incarcerated there, and I'm in, I'm in Indiana, so. Right, right. Well, we'll we'll also hold. What's his? We don't need his last name, but his first name is. Um, it's Michael. Michael. Okay. Well, it'll be mm-hmm. easy for me to remember his name, and mm-hmm. we'll hold a space for Michael to be able to soften. You know, sometimes um, that space of incarceration. I actually have a friend, who uh, mm-hmm. whose son just ended up in a jail in Orlando and Uh he was sharing with me how he ended up in that jail 28 years earlier and it was his time in that jail that opened his heart and opened his Mm -hmm. spiritual experience so wide that it changed his life. So I'll join with you in holding a space if that's what Michael's ready for and willing yeah. to do that we're here to support him in making that move. That would be great because right now he's in, you know how he, he's more like want to follow instead of being the leader. So he wants right. to do things to, you know, people to accept him. And he's, like I said, he's hanging out with the wrong kind of people doing the wrong kind of things. So he wants them, yep. to, those kind of people to accept them. So he'll do whatever it takes to be accepted. So, I hear you. Like I said, he needs a lot of, I don't know, healing, prayers, mind shift, something. Yeah, well, too. And we got yeah. him. We're holding the space. Okay. The whole community right. is here behind you both. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. I appreciate your call, and we'll look forward to the next time we hear from you. All right. Thank you. Okay. Blessings. Take care. Bye. All right. Bye. Right. Hmm. Do I breathe with you? I breathe with everybody. If that uh, 
call resonates anything for anyone. We'll just uh, hold the space that each person who's healing is ready to move to another level, that we're here to support that and allow whatever those dynamics are to come forward and, uh, and heal. And, you know, the importance, we can't overemphasize the importance of being willing to embrace the deepest, most painful parts of ourselves in the presence of love, and that that's the key to healing. When you recognize that it's, it's not about hiding and not dealing with things in your life. I love how Tim says it from one of his other mentors where he talks about there's no such thing as bad self-knowledge. If there's anything painful in there, you want to become aware of it. And you want to become aware of it in the presence of love. And as you become aware of it in the presence of love, that's what creates the healing process. And so the willingness to access every pain, every sadness, every grief, every fear, every rage of every generation is desirable. You know, in the ancient teachings, when they said the veil of the temple must be rent in twain, they weren't talking about a purple curtain in the church. They were talking about the veil between the subconscious and the unconscious minds. And when Yeshua said, you must forgive from your heart the wrongs of your brother, he was saying, what's in your unconscious, what's in your heart that you've made up this story or this picture about your brother out of, you must forgive, you must remove it. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck in that story. I mean, we had a, a music director at Heartland the early years, way back in the uh, late 80s when we opened Heartland. And we was there, he wrote a song called Stuck in My Story, My Pain and My Glory. And you look at how many people live their whole lives stuck in their story. You know, I'll often tongue-in-cheek ask the question of how many have ever been to an organ recital? And people think about the musical instrument. They raise, oh, I've been to one of those. It's like, no, 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 no. It's where people get together to talk about who had this disease, who had that disease. You know, I had this organ removed. You had that organ. Mine was the worst the doctor had ever seen. And people's identity becomes their stories. You know, our stories happen to us. Everybody goes through that stuff. Do you get stuck in it? Do you live out of that story? Or do you forgive that story and live? That's the key. So let's say hello to Dr. Tim and see how the young man is. I'm doing well, thanks. I enjoyed the poetic nature of your intro yesterday and uh, most of the show talking about declaring independence. And um, I listened to it a couple times. It was just lovely. One of those lovely shows where the weaving of the term or the idea of declaring independence from that which is less than love and those relationships which are unproductive was music to my ears. So I enjoyed that. Cool. Awesome. How did your uh, holiday celebrations go? I assume you were with family yesterday. Yes, I had a, we had a, an unexpected family gathering. My brother and sister-in-law came down from uh, the Twin Cities, and they were scheduled to be here a couple of weeks ago, but they had a couple of friends pass away, so they had two different funerals to go to, and one of them was Saturday and one of them was last Tuesday. And So as a surprise, they came down and met us and, I was with family all day yesterday, and that was lovely. 
we had pleasant weather and nice conversation. And so the fourth was uh, peaceful, healthy, happy. And um, as I mentioned, I listened to the show a couple times since then and enjoyed that. And um, I've had people that are discovering um I guess we haven't talked since we had two shows last week where you weren't here and um right so we've had several people recently calling the show for the first time and um I think we had three more people call on Friday who were basically new to the work and hadn't heard about this the difference between pardoning and forgiveness and so it's been just full and I look forward to hearing more from some of those people hopefully some of them will call back and give us updates like the person who called today and and um Jill Hello Yeah, I said Jill, Nicole and Jill. Nicole was today, Jill was the other lady with the baby. Oh, yeah, Jill called on Thursday. Yeah. Because you're right, awesome. it is an yeah, interesting pattern that. how people are kind of just stumbling into it almost. It's time. Critical mass, every mind, heart, and being on the planet. Michael, have you ever seen, um, they have websites that have um, different kinds of Bibles, like a King James Bible or um, a Webster's Bible or an English Revised Bible, and then they have the parallel yes. verses. So um, I was right, just sure. looking it up when you were talking. It said the um, Aramaic um, Bible, and what it said for the Aramaic Bible was, um, wait, where did I leave it here? Oh, why do you notice a chip that is in your brother's eye and you do not observe the plank that is in your own eye? That has interesting the chip. See that last sentence again? Your voice kind of flipped a little bit on me. Oh, sorry. Um, the Aramaic Bible in plain English um, translates the, you were talking about the phrase, why do you notice a chip that is in your brother's eye and you do not observe the plank that is in your own eye? So, like, you know, we, we talk about words so much and the translation of the Polaris manuscript and how that was instrumental to actually um, providing the accurate message that Yeshua was speaking related to forgiveness. So, right. says, why do you notice a chip? Like, okay, like a Lay's ruffle potato chip, you know, a chip in your eye. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, it was interesting. Yeah, and of course, that's addressing the idea of living in blockage of truth. And you know, there's a, there's another parallel phrase that goes hand in that hand with that one from Romans that says, "Beware you who judge another, for that when you judge another, you've been guilty of practicing." And and people cannot even fathom or imagine how they could possibly be doing the same thing as that person over there, that terrible person over there is doing that they're so upset with. Uh, when they start to forgive, all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, I've been doing the same thing. Oh, my, oh no, you're kidding. And, of course, knowing that the, the way the mind works to produce evidence, if I'm in blocks of truth about certain information, then I can't see it in me, but I can sure see it in everybody else. And when I'm disturbed by something, 
that's my work to do. It's, it's, I mean, it's just such a powerful. So thanks for bringing that, uh, that particular quote up because it just ties right in with everything we're talking about. And we're down to, gee, this has been a fast hour. We're down to the last few seconds. So I'm going to just say, if you're ready to do uh, the next level of your work, we've got a nine-day Why Is This Happening to Me Again intensive happening this summer. We've got a 16-day Laws of Living. And we hold the space. You have the best year yet of your eternal life. Blessings. Bye-bye.